The University in Glasgow is beautiful. With lots of turreted buildings, it looks quite a bit like Hogwarts. Hello. Excuse me. Yes, hi. I was wondering where you're shortly about to go on your bike. Um, I'm just about to go home after a very busy morning. What do you do? I manage PhD scholarships for the university. Oh my goodness. That's a huge job. It is. Uh, today we had a big deadline and it was, as always, a last minute panic. How does it work then? Tell me about the scholars. So it's the ESRC scholarship, uh, Economic and Social Research Council. We have an internal shortlisting process where we have academics that students have to approach with their uh, research proposal for their PhD, uh, their CV, transcripts, references, and then it goes, our shortlisted candidates go to a Scotland-wide shortlisting process. Um, and hopefully come May we'll find out which of our applicants have been successful. And you're in charge of coordinating all of that? Yes. That's massive. Yeah, it keeps me on my toes. Are you an organised kind of person? Yes, a bit anally retentive. You look quite neat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You look like you would never be scruffy. Um, well, I'm not OTT, but uh, yeah, I do like to, I do look like to be uh, well turned out if I can. <laughs> but you always have an umbrella when it's going to rain as well. I bet you're one of those. Uh, no, not in Glasgow. That does not work. <laughs> it would get ruined in about five minutes flat. So how did you get to this point? What was your journey to get here? Oh, I've had various jobs. Um, at the, I studied at the university a long time ago, but I've done various things. When I left here, I worked for a chartered accountant for a period. I've also done special needs classroom assistant in secondary school. I worked up at the vet school in an office attached to lab and um, moved over to my, my current role, managing scholarships. Is this a happy job for you? It can be quite intense, but I enjoy it because I've got a lot of scope, I've got a lot of freedom uh, to manage my, my own work, so yes, I enjoy it. So if you're going home now and it's about lunchtime, does that mean you work part-time? Uh, yes, I do. Have you got kids or something? No, um, I work part-time because I'm one of Jehovah's Witnesses, so the other part of my time, I volunteer to teach people about the Bible. Oh. So are you one of the people that would stand outside on the street doing that, or do you do this in another setting? We do both. We call people in their in their homes. Um, we currently have an initiative where we have our carts outside stations and bus stations. Uh, we speak to we call in people's uh, in their businesses. Uh, wherever there are people, we, we try and speak to them. So, how does it work with being a Jehovah's Witness? Are you born into it, or do you choose it? No, it's some it's something that you have to choose. It's not something that you follow blindly. It comes uh, come to that decision after considering the evidence. Um, and, and can, yeah, it has, it has to be something that is a reasoned decision rather than an emotional one. And how did you come to it? My parents are Jehovah's Witnesses, but I still had to make that choice uh, for myself. When did you do it? From a very young age, I knew that what I was being taught was correct. I could see the things that my parents were teaching me from the Bible were, were correct. And I made a decision to get baptised when I was, was 14. That sounds like not a typical 14-year-old behaviour. Uh, no, and, and perhaps when I was that age, I didn't fully understand the implications, but I, I, I saw comparing to, to other, other beliefs and how other people live their lives that this was the best way of, of life that I could see for me. What do you mean by that? Why is it the best way? Because the standards that we adhere to, the priorities that we have in life, create better family lives, create self-esteem, lead to improved relationships between people um, so by, by living it, it, it you know it bears out the it bears out the wisdom of of that course of action if 
their positive results, it, it's, it's great, it's right. Is it hard to talk about your faith, let's say somewhere like this, an academic institution? Do you share it or do you keep it private? No, I mean, by, by virtue of being one of Jehovah's Witnesses, to witness means we speak to other people. I think today, the climate that we live in, people are very scared to talk about any sort of controversial issue, whether it's political, social or religious. Uh, I think people are frightened to rock the boat or people feel that they might be offending, offending others. So a lot of people um, feel very uncomfortable speaking about their beliefs, whatever they are. Do you? Um, I'm not a naturally outgoing person, but if an opportunity comes up, I will share that. If you know, somebody asks why I do a certain thing or don't do a certain thing, I'm happy to explain that. And of course, in our public ministry, um, we're out there in the public, so yeah. yeah and your husband, is he a Jehovah's Witness? Yes, he is. Could you have considered marrying someone who wasn't? That would not have been fair. Because my faith is so central to what I do, that would be unfair that other person if we were pulling in different directions. And naturally, when uh, you're married to somebody, you want to be pulling in the same direction, you want to have the same values and, and interests. So it, may, it makes sense to share your life with somebody that shares the things that are important to you. And you talked to, theoretically about the values and making a better family life and better relationships, but what specifically or in concrete terms has being a Jehovah's Witness given to you? I think I've been married for 17 years. I mean, in this day and age, most marriages don't last very long at all. So the principles that are in the, in the Bible encourage you to, to be forgiveness, to be patient, to show respect to one another, to show love, even when perhaps you don't feel like it. Um, and those, those are the things that get you through the, the, difficult, the difficult times. And also the fact that I encourage not to put priorities on, on material things. And today in modern society, many people are busy pursuing their careers, pursuing a better way of life, often to the detriment of their, of their family life. So by pursuing a, a simpler life and making sure we're spending time together ensures that we have a, have a good marriage. So that, that's just one example. You know, we're not perfect, but you know, we see we, we can see that that you know the divorce rate among Jehovah's Witnesses is much lower than a lot of other faiths. Do you find it hard doing the doorstep stuff? Because that gets a bad rap sometimes, doesn't it? Um, we we have training to do that. And the more that you do it, uh, the easier it becomes. And if you're just yourself being being friendly, we're not there to force anything on anybody. I mean, most of the time when we call people, we're calling. To, to seek their, their opinion and what how they feel about things and if they're willing to talk to share with them what the Bible's message um, is. And if people don't want to listen yet, we respect that. It's not it's not about forcing people or putting foot, feet in indoors. It's a bit like my job really. <laughs> What's the most exciting thing that's happened to you in faith terms from doing your work as a witness? Oh, the most exciting thing. Probably about 12 years ago, my husband and I moved to Glasgow and we started learning Mandarin Chinese in order to administer to Mandarin Chinese um, speakers. So that, that's opened up a, a whole different cultural horizon, different experiences we never would have had if we'd never taken that step to learn the, the language. Do you speak fluent Mandarin? I speak okay Mandarin. Can you give me a kind of phrase, I'm a, my name is whatever, or maybe not your name, yeah. I'm a Jehovah's Witness and I'm here to tell you about the good news about the Bible, can you say that? Yeah. It's really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and have you seen people um, who speak Mandarin, Chinese people, come to faith through your ministry? Yes, um, in our congregation, we have a Chinese congregation here, there are a number of individuals who have made big changes in their lives um, through what they've learned through studying the Bible. How does that feel? 
Oh, it's wonderful. You see somebody's, you know, somebody's background that perhaps they've been leading a life that's maybe criminality involved or legal activities or their family life has been disarray and they've cleaned their life up and you see, you, you can see they have a good relationship with their husband or wife, a better relationship with their children. Um, yeah, it's wonderful to see the improvements that um, that ministry has brought about for them. You seem like quite a joyful person. Does it bring you joy, all of this? Oh, does it bring me joy? Well, I think if it didn't bring me joy, why, why would you do it? You know, and if it's something that's making you miserable, there's no point. Nobody, you know, no God would want a sacrifice from somebody that's not willingly given. Thank you. Did you know Glasgow University is the fourth oldest in the English-speaking world? Founded in 1451. Bye. There are other stories to come from other quarters of this beautiful city, so make sure you're following Where Are You Going to catch them all. After all, you just never know. The music for the podcast was made by Edwin Pearson and it's produced by the team at Loftus Media.